Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stenko is out west as two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life as we'll get into what is coming next on The Last Dance. And in a later episode, I do want to get into something non-Last Dance related, and that is given our production backgrounds and yours much deeper than mine in television is when the league does come back. So I'm giving you this now so you can think about it. And I'm also putting out on the podcast so that when some other podcast eventually does it, we can take credit for doing it. (laughs) Is how to make the broadcast feel and look okay without fans in the stands. Because I do think we're going to be playing basketball at some point without fans in the stands and it's going to be not just basketball, but it's going to be all sports, but this is a basketball podcast. So we yes. appreciate you finding the podcast, rejecting the screen Tuesdays and Thursdays, Thursdays going ISO, the long form edition. We sit down with all sorts of folks who have touched the NBA coming this week, Rex Walters, who spent seven years in the league, great career at Kansas, went to the final four, tells a story about Derek Coleman. And we can relate this to the last dance, Adam. So Scotty Pippen, not happy with his contract. Derek Coleman, when he was with the Nets and Rex was there, turned down a $69 million deal and came into the locker room the next day with homemade T-shirts that said 69 and had the Ghostbusters no logo over it and handed them out. (laughs) Handed them out. Yep. Not just wearing them. Not just wearing one of those, but handing them out to teammates. Handed them out to everybody. (laughs) So that's coming on Thursday. We appreciate all the love that you gave Adam on Twitter at Naismith Lives for all the Jordan-related story that we've gotten on going ISO on the Rejecting the Screen podcast. So first things first, on Last Dance. First two episodes, we're recording this on Monday for Tuesday. We both watched the episodes on Sunday night. It was one of the few times in the past month where I didn't feel like I was isolated and I was being quarantined because I would have been on the couch watching anyway. So it made right me forget about what was going on around the world. Yeah, right back to normal. It was it was cool. And then everyone's participating also. So it was once again this collective feeling where we're all in this together, but not to talk about the coronavirus, but to actually talk about this live event. So I didn't go on Twitter the entire time. I know that's going to surprise you, but Mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't surprise you if you've been listening to this podcast. So my thought was, all right, if all this stuff is new and I'm going to learn a ton and it's all this never seen footage, never before seen footage, why why am I going to be looking at my screen at how other people are reacting? It's going to take away from my own reaction. So what I did was I sat on the couch. I watched the first episode. Marissa was with me and... One of my buddies from college and I were on Zoom together. He's a huge NBA fan. We tell stories all the time. And we watched it together as if, you know, we were hanging out on the couch watching it. I love it. We're we're having beers. We're having a few drinks. And we're making comments to each other as if we were watching it together. And I think that was a great way to enjoy it. So someone else, aside from just myself in my own head, could say, oh, 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 how about that? I think that's a great idea. And it doesn't surprise me at all knowing that you've said many times that that's how you treat games themselves, that people get locked into their phones. And I'm I'm more guilty of this than anyone, but people get locked in their phones, missing out on the actual action itself because they're so quick to come up with the best joke 
or the best. Oh, how about that? Or, or just how about the one word thing that they do all the time? LeBron period. Oh, stop. Like, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. I will say my, my viewing experience though was interesting because I actually was running out, had to grab dinner. Things got a little bit delayed. So now I'm on delay. So I'm like five minutes behind people. And my instinct is to be on Twitter, follow along, make the comments and the jokes and the Jordan period, you know, tweets myself, but which I would never do. But as I, I realized quickly, I'm five minutes behind and now I don't want to catch anything. So I sort of took the same approach that you did. And I was on Twitter for a moment. And then I said, wait, wait, I don't want anything spoiled. I don't I don't need any of this stuff spoiled. So so OK, so let's start this thing. Go ahead. All right. So. I was I really, really liked it. And I think it's going to get even better as we get into the season itself. And especially the playoffs. And a lot of the locker room footage. So again, we go back 2003. I'm an intern at the NBA and I see all of this film in the back. 98 Bulls Project on the wall. It's all in film. It's not digitized. It's all in film. And it was the Bulls Project. Been hearing about this thing for 17 years, okay? So I know I'm coming at it from a from a different viewpoint than someone who didn't either live through this or have such close ties to the NBA, and I know you're in a similar position. So there's got to be have to be a lot of background stuff. So in that first episode, I didn't feel the intensity that I wanted that I wanted to feel or expected to feel. But what I did like was the way they tried to show that this worldwide appeal of Michael Jordan, of who he was, that there hadn't been anyone like him, that it was Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan and the Bulls were taking over the world. I, I did find there were a few things, and I know we'll get into it, technical inaccuracies that I wouldn't have expected to come down in a project like this. But overall, I really, really liked it. And I've got an idea of what's coming next that we'll do later on in the program. Yeah, I think what was so cool about this project, just from the jump, is you had spoken to me about this. We've talked about it in the past on podcasts. Uh, I have some friends that worked at NBA Entertainment. It was one of those things that you would hear about, like NBA lore, just like you know some backroom stories and all that stuff. Of course, you and I, have a, have a special place in our heart for NBA stories. And this one was one of them that at NBA E, there is this vault in the back and the tapes are labeled and you, you discussed it in detail. And I've had other friends who logged the footage at one point in time, buddy of mine, Pat Devlin, who used to work there, Mike Talasian, who did uh, the documentary Q ball. Um, people that worked at NBA E have talked to me about this idea that this stuff's been going on forever. I just never thought we'd see it. And the way that some of this footage was described. And then the other interesting thing, as you talk about as a production guy, just, okay, now you've got it. Now it's on your plate. How do the producers and executive producers decide to lay it out there? Okay, we know 10-part series. That's fine. But they spent a, a season with the Bulls. How much are they going back? And it's tough when you start playing around with timelines and mm -hmm. chronologically start getting out of order. I thought they did a really nice job of that. Of, okay, we're going to start to tell some of it go into this season with the special footage we have and now flashback, if you will, and bounce yeah, back. Yeah, the Pippin the pip college footage? I, I'd never seen it before. I turned to my yeah, wife and said, never seen that before. I've never seen it. So that was unbelievable to me. And um, 
I will say I had an issue with Jay Adande right from the jump saying yeah. Pippen is the best number two player ever in NBA history. And we just glanced over that. Like, whoa, how about Oscar Robertson, if you even call him a number two, Magic Kareem. Anyway, but but still, all that being said, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think there are some questions that we have, and we can go into that. But I think overall, I really liked it too. And it, I knew it was a difficult balance for them because a lot of those stories are famous stories, especially for NBA folks. But you have to appeal, as you say, to a larger yeah, audience than that. Right. And that's right, which is good because it, it allows you to think outside the the bubble that we're often in when it comes yes. to sports and and explaining and explaining things at a you know at a pretty base level. But something that did come true was Ramona Shelburne reported the story, and, and it was the stories that I told on the podcast before was that when all the talk about LeBron being the best ever, and then Jordan was like, <laughs> screw it, release the tapes, the kids gotta know. That was pretty much the truth. And that, that Adam Silver Adam Silver had told Jordan at the time, this will never see the light of day until you say go. And the NBA had always been very protective of his likeness. You know, that's there's no one stopping the NBA from releasing Jordan video every single day on social, but they don't do it because they're respectful of it. Something that and, and wait, wait, before you even go on, it's funny because I I have heard from a birdie even that there's some NBA TV programming. They wanted to run around Jordan now, of course. Why not? You know, let's make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And even that has been shut down by some of MJ's people and I think people associated from the doc. So people need to understand this is a, a real thing and not that he is some guy that's that's out there just saying no to everything like he did with the autograph seeker in the documentary, which I thought was the best piece of behind the scenes footage there was because <laughs> no one's ever going to show that. That was amazing. Well, right, but, and that's great. But you know, what's also funny is that in, in situations like that, so many people with credentials ask for pictures and it's absurd. And, yes. and you're supposed to have your credential revoked. So I did go back and look at Twitter afterwards and all, you know, uh-huh. a lot of media members laughing at that guy. And I'm thinking, dude, you've done it. I know. I know it. you have. You've done you've it. You've done it. I know you have. And, and on the flip side, Noah, for again, people that, that aren't necessarily in our shoes and haven't been credentialed before at an event like that, you know, for, for basically all of my friends outside of the, the industry, I would say that that's the thing too, to understand is that there's usually strict guidelines in place. Like Michael Jordan's not just a jerk about that because he'd be hounded by everyone. So they have to put some rules in place. I know at ESPN, though, sometimes the handlers, you know, go too far. When Magic at one point visited ESPN, I don't think he wasn't doing regular stuff for us. It was right before he was going to start that. And people were told, like, don't make eye contact with Magic as he walks down the hall. Steve Steve Harvey thing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, Magic doesn't care about that. If you were in a room yeah. with him, he's incredibly engaging and all that. A lot of, of times it's just the handlers that want to get ahead of it before, of before anybody else. So. All right, so coming up next, the few things that we watched, we saw, and thought, ah. <laughs> All right, Noah, before we get to all that, I know we've talked about it ad nauseum on this pod. We now have four kids. I'm talking about me. To collectively, we have five. I guess right, right, so, between right, you right. and I. It's all right. Not, not, not the two of us together. <laughs> yes, I literally have four children. 
But uh, between taking care of everything they need and trying to research for this pod and being in the midst of this pandemic, sometimes you need someone else to take care of getting your food for you. No, that's where Postmates comes in. With six people in my family, six. Now, granted, Skylar's just a newborn. But between the rest of us, someone's always asking what's for lunch or dinner. We're trying to cook where we can, just like the rest of the, the world, really. But Postmates has been great because ordering food from some of the local spots that we love and with a newborn and a three-year-old running around, plus two always hungry teenagers, Postmates just been huge. And here's the thing I recently discovered. It's not just burgers or sushi, which Kate can now eat because she's no longer pregnant. Postmates does grocery delivery. Who doesn't need that right now? And they do deliveries for convenience stores, clothing stores. It's basically help with getting whatever you need. No, as you know, I need a lot of help right now. Mm-hmm. But But the best part of Postmates right now, Noah, for a limited time, they're giving our listeners, yes, you listening to Rejecting the Screen right now, $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, just download the app and use code LOCKEDONMBA. That's code LOCKEDONMBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it. Post made it. So we see from watching Last Dance that Jordan doesn't want to tank. It doesn't want his team to tank. It's not basketball. Yeah. Yet he owns a miserable NBA franchise. So what I learned was his self-restraint is through the roof. Through the roof. And I want you to go back and listen to the Going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen that we did with Adam Morrison when Jordan was just a like a minority owner of the Bobcats and pulled him out of taking a piss, and Derek Anderson, too, just to berate every single person on the team after a close loss to the Nets as they were making a playoff push years ago. But his team stinks, and this is the... <laughs> and that's the Jordan that we see about no tanking. So that made me go... It's such a good point. And you know what's really interesting? When that happened in that moment, <clears throat> and not that I didn't always know the story of the injury, and, and we're going to get into all that in a moment. I always knew the story and that he wanted to get back, and that started the, the real rift between him and, and Bull's management and the executives. But what's so interesting is you, you point out, it really put into context for me exactly why he's had issues as an owner. Not all the issues, but that is a major one. It also made me think of other owners in that same way. And I, I'm not trying to get off on tangent, just pointing this out. It's like Isaiah Thomas, too. Like, in a way, it's like everything's about winning now, doing all you can now, supporting the guys on the floor now to make sure they have what they need around them, overpaying guys because you feel like they're good character guys. They may deserve it. All those make for great traits in your team's alpha dog star player. But as an owner or as a person making personnel decisions, not so much. Anyway, because yeah, I, I was I was laughing thinking about Scottie Pippen's contract, and it's not even apples to, and it's not even apples to oranges at this point. It's because you know, salary cap and the time it did whatever um, the era that we're in. But I was thinking about the money that Jordan just gave Terry Rozier, and then the money that <laughs> that's the money that the money that Jordan got. Um, also. So a few years ago, I remember reading and then talking about this on the radio, being concerned for Jordan's health. And he talked about how he didn't, you know, he wasn't drinking at the time, wasn't partying. I don't know when he actually did start doing that, but he's sitting there with a drink 
next to him. But <laughs> yeah, I remember an article, it was in Cigar Aficionado years ago, or maybe it was just a few years ago, as we talked about on the radio, that he was smoking like five or six cigars a day. And I was <laughs> thinking, this guy's going to, he's going to kill himself this yeah. way. Back yeah. then, he wasn't, he wasn't partying. And he walked in, I got to imagine some of his teammates from the 80s weren't pleased saying that he walked into that room and there was the girls and the cocaine and the weed. And he was like, no, 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 I'm good. You're going to tell me he didn't just like take one of the girls to go. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not saying hey, he look- did that, but let's not, let's not act like Jordan was the moral authority. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. He, he had those rooms himself a few years later that other teammates were probably walking into. So, Oh, that's great. Right, and, uh, and I'll get I'll get into the the minutes limit in a moment. But but what what did you have? My friend Kenny Williams pointed this out on 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 Twitter. K bad as you'll find him on on Twitter with two D's. He pointed out that in the standings they list the Wizards as opposed to the Bullets in the standings, and I just could not wrap my head around why this would be the case. I'm sure this came down from the league. That I'm sure on on some level, I can't, I really, and in fact, I hope so, because the alternative is that someone saw standings and it was some PA or something and saw the standings and needed to put them in a document for them to shoot. And they saw Washington and put the Wizards because they don't know they were formerly the, bu- the Bullets. I am hopeful that's not the case, Noah. I am hopeful that it was just a, an executive decision. But people had to have seen this. And so that's why I, it makes me think that it was decided that it would be the Wizards. But that was one that, like, blew me away. There, there are just a few moments throughout that that kind of shocked me. Also, it's kind of weird with, with them being in Paris. It was strange because, obviously, it's not like that was overly revealing footage because there was a ton of cameras there. People have seen some of that footage before. I mean, they put it in context, and they had better shots and more of it than anyone else has had, like certain news crews and stuff. But we haven't really seen yet the wow moments. Most of the wow moments so far in the doc have just come from other than Jordan picking on Kraus uh, which, and him looking kind of childish, which is another thing that was kind of weird. Like Jordan came off as kind of like, I don't, I don't even want to use the term uh, like immature, but it was more like a bully and like a kid. He came off like a, a kid more than you've ever seen because Jordan usually comes off so stately and he's always so particular in terms of his, his speaking engagements. He, he, and he's like royalty. So to see him come off that way was, was kind of different, but in terms of a lot of the behind the scenes footage, we're going to see some crazy stuff that I don't think we've gotten to yet. What about for you? What, what's some stuff that you've seen that, what other stuff so, that, that made you go? Hmm. So I was ready. I would have watched and I was hoping that like there was going to be a promo at the end. Like um, if you switch over to the golf channel, They'll have full shot-by-shot coverage of the Michael Jordan, <laughs> yes. Danny Ainge golf outing during the playoffs. So, so a few things stood out about that. One, I thought we always heard from the 80s that the guys hated each other. There was yeah. no love off the court. Get on the, you know, your opponents. There was no fraternization. But Jordan and Danny Ainge are playing golf during, during the playoffs. And no, that no, that 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 just shows the hypocrisy too. Elger Drakasner has told me the story that he tried to like shake Steve Kerr's hand and talk to him before one of the games when they were playing uh, back during that era. And Kerr was like, "Hey, I can't talk to you. Jordan doesn't want us fraternizing with the the opponents, even though they knew each other from their Pac twelve, well, Pac ten days, Pac eight days." 
but like Pac-10 days, but like it's amazing because it's like, okay, Jordan can say that in one mm-hmm. breath, and then he's quietly golfing with Danny Ainge during the playoffs. And but but honestly, I that footage, I loved it. I would have I would have watched I would have watched their entire match, Jordan and, Absolutely. and Danny Ainge. I thought it was awesome. When I saw that, I was thinking, oh boy, I don't want I don't want this, I don't want this segment to end. In the when he came back in 86, after he so he broke his foot and he played those first three games, he came back and they're talking about the minutes limit. Mm-hmm. And I was on a text chain with a bunch of my buddies from college, and, and one of them pointed out, he said, It's just it's just not right. Go look at the game logs. So I looked at the game logs, and it wasn't like he was playing, it was a strict 14 minutes until the end of the season. So when he came back, they lost four straight and he played 14. No, no, they lost five straight. He played 13 minutes, 14 minutes, 15 minutes, 16 minutes, 16 minutes. Okay. And then it went up to 19 and then they've got like 10 games left. So he played 19, he played 22, he played 23. He probably averaged about 30 minutes a night after those first five. And in the game that they were talking about, the Pacers game, where Paxson ends up hitting the game winner and Jordan, they like he wouldn't put him back, stand all back, put him, wouldn't put him back in. And I didn't rewatch it, but he did say he was at his 14 minutes, right? He was at his limit. Yep. Yep. That's what I remember. Well, yep. when you look at the game log at Indiana, he played 28 minutes. And he was he was 12 for 19. He had 26 points. So he had already gone, he'd already gone over. So it just the story just didn't add up. And no, it's what's interesting about this. So I just looked it up. The 10 games that you described that after those those initial losses when he was going, you know, 13, 14, 16 minutes. The last 10 games of that season, 27.9 minutes a game, Noah. 20. Field goal attempts per game. So but it's, it's funny because he played the Bullets, not the Wizards, the Bullets in the second to last game of the season, and he went 12 for 36. <laughs> that doesn't make for as good a story, though, about pulling him with 31 seconds left. And here's the weird part about this is that even just adding a little bit more of context it still makes the story remarkable. In fact, I think in a weird way, it probably strengthens Jordan's case for them not wanting to win as opposed to them trying to keep him from getting hurt. That right. was a strange part too. If he's playing 14 minutes a night and it's like, no matter what, we're sticking to our minutes restriction, you almost go, okay, well, I got to sort of side with management. If that's the decision the medical staff decided was best, even though they arbitrarily seemingly came up with this 14 minutes. But if you tell me instead, well, actually, they were starting to ramp it up. It was reaching like 26, 28 minutes. And then with 30 seconds to play, they decide mm, you played too much. You're not play-. like, think about it. That actually strengthens mm-hmm. Jordan's case for them wanting to tank more than them wanting him to not get hurt. There are a bunch of things that we could talk about, but we're going to move on in a moment. But uh, about like, look, that just wouldn't happen now. You know, the way Jerry Krause talked about the Pippin trades and you know, Pippen berating Jerry Krause on the bus and then that not getting out in the media either way. But what something about Pippen that it just wouldn't happen now because of probably his own, the own player social media and the access that 
we have to players and the players open up about themselves. Like Pippin's story of, you know, he, he can he still can see his father, you know, he, and he wouldn't forget it, of course, at 11, 12 years old, his father killing over and at a, having a stroke at the table. And then his other brother paralyzed, being paralyzed mm-hmm. in a wheelchair. So it's a family of 11, 11 kids, 12 kids. He had 11 brothers and sisters, and there's two wheelchairs in the house. So I didn't, I didn't know that about Pippin. And, yeah. but that's one of those things that now we would, we would know about that, you know, one of the greatest players, one of the greatest players of all time, something like that about the family, we, we would know. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I, I think that when you look at, well, first of all, it would give context to a lot of his situation, right? I mean, we, there's been right, a million the whole contract situation. About, sure. Kawhi Leonard never talks about anything. And we know about his family history and all, mm-hmm. we know a lot, a lot of these guys, where they came from, what their history was. There's, and I think that breeds empathy. And so I think some of the contract stuff never even would have reached the point that it did. And I think a, another remarkable part for me on the, the documentary about stuff that I don't think happens now is just sort of this idea about when Pippen decided to have that surgery and sort of Phil Jackson kind of going along with it. Like in a weird way, I think like that would have like not not that Phil went along with it. Not, it's not that, that that would be different now. But I think that story getting out would have been different. And just the way that that was treated, that not only that, but like the coach is okay with him doing this, plus Jordan not being happy about that happening would have been out a lot more. I mean, there were some reports, people were talking about this. And I'm sure if if your good friend Peter Vesey listens to the to the podcast, he's going to go, whoa, 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 I've reported on that. You know, I had the details on it. Well, there, there was, Peter I mean, here. yesterday. There's before, some out there. Yeah, yeah, before Last Dance started, there's a Chicago Tribune story about that. And, and it, but it, in it, it's, it's about... Pippen having surgery, and in it, it said, the timing of this has nothing to do with his contract. That's <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that's there you go. Right All right, coming up next, what is next? I'll tell you where it's headed with Dennis Rodman. I haven't seen episode three, but knowing what I know about the production, this is what I think will happen at the start, or at least towards the beginning of episode three with, with Rodman. And it and it uses the technique that we heard about beforehand and also that you saw the Jason Hare, the director, hand Jordan the, the tablet so he could see his mom read the letter, which was yeah. so cool. Um, it's a story of Dennis Rodman, and they get everybody's reaction. that So Jordan needed Rodman to be his Pippin. And we've already seen that they start off sluggish four and five first road wins that double overtime win against a dreadful Clippers team. Rodman, those first like 30 games of the year averaged 15 boards a night and was doing his Dennis Rodman thing. And and Jordan had said, look, I need you. I need you. I need you. So Rodman says something to Phil. Phil calls Jordan and says, I need you in my office. And this was the day before Pippen was coming back. And Jordan says, what's up? I need you in my office. We got to talk about it. Jordan goes into Phil's office. Phil says, Dennis wants a vacation. And Jordan says, uh, effing what? If anyone deserves a vacation, 
It's me. It's me. So then he says, well, where does he want to go? Bill says he wants a week in Vegas. A week. A week. week. And he's with Carmen Electra at the time. He wants a week in Las Vegas. And Jordan says, look, if you get a week in, if you give Dennis Rodman a week in Vegas, we might never see him again. Not just like in a Bulls uniform, but he might actually disappear. Like we might never see Dennis Rodman again if you give him a week in Las Vegas right now. No doubt. That's legitimate. And Phil says, we we got to, I need to give him something. Like, you know, and that's Phil understanding personalities and knowing when a guy is going to crack. So he gives him two nights in Vegas. And then he's late the next day when he has to come in to practice and they have to go get him. And then there's a Jordan Rodman back and forth. But I, I've got to believe that's where this is going to start or at least have a major part of the, the first part of the, uh, of episode three next week. I would love that. I know that Steve Kerr has told the story before on open court about how one night Phil just turned to him and said, Hey, you know, we need some more team unity here. Cohesion. Why don't you guys go and party with Dennis Rodman tonight? And they ended up going out all night partying with Rodman, pull it up the the next day. It's like Howard Stern's like his whole crew is like out there. They ran into like, just insane the stuff that that would go down and what Phil understood just from a player perspective, the ultimate player's coach, that term is definitely overused, but I think there's no one who's more in tune and we've heard it from many people, not just the Bulls folks. I wanted to throw out two texts that I got last night, Mm -hmm. one from a former NBA player when I sent him the tweet that someone tweeted, Larry Bird would be Joe Ingles in the modern NBA. (laughs) And his wait, okay, response, wait, so, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you sent me that and I said, I, I, I can't, I can't even respond. It's this, this stuff that makes me sick. And then I, then I, I don't even remember who it was, but I clicked on his, I clicked on the tweet and uh-huh. it was a writer at the ringer. Yes. Yes. So I'm sure Bill Simmons is going to have, have some words for him, but, but even still, like, it's just remarkable it's to me that it's dumb. someone who's knowledgeable that would say that. And so my guy said, my guy said, fucking joke. So happy that people will be reminded of the greatness of Jordan and how much bigger and greater he was than these weak-ass superstars now. Can't wait till they get into piston bullshit. Real men there, not fakes. That's a former NBA player that, that sent that to me. And then a former great player uh, at the college level, who I'm also not going to name, but he said... As you know, never played against Jordan in the NBA because this guy didn't make the league. But I did play against him in the Nike camp and with him at the Nike camp in the summer of 86. He was so good, I can't even describe it. He purposely never dunked on one time. Instead, he laid in every shot and had like 20 unbelievable reverses that would all be in his top 50 highlights. He was the greatest player I've ever seen and is still the greatest player of all time. And, it, and I only bring that up because this guy was an outstanding player who played with a lot of excellent incredibly talented future pros so this is not some schmo that played for you know that sat on a d3 bench or something like that Mm -hmm. this guy was big time uh one of his best players in school history and he is saying that stuff about jordan just again to give context as if people needed it already for how great mj is yeah and look i I hope the next eight episodes just further solidify the the greatness of jordan but also, let's not pretend. I don't want this 
turning into the Jordan infomercial either because we've heard the, oh, this Kevin Durant doc, the Boogie Cousins doc. And they're not docs. Those are infomercials. That's they're a great run call. by that person. So that's a great call. I want to make sure that there are, I want to see some flaws in Jordan. We're not going to, we're not going to find the flaws in his game, but maybe some of the flaws in the, in the personality, at least maybe in the leadership. All right. He's Adam Stanker. You can follow him on Twitter at Naismith lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C O S L O V on Instagram. You've been rolling a little bit at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. So how's it going with getting one of your teenage daughters to take that over in exchange for not having to do diapers? I need to do that. That's right. right, I'm doing that as soon as I walk out of here. Also remind me to turn back on the, uh, the washing machine. That's another one. Actually, I I already reminded myself. I knew a lot of laundry now, a lot of laundry now. I bet you have no idea. I I don't, I don't. How, how often are you doing laundry? Oh, it's well, my wife's been doing most of it. Or almost no, no, not it, you. Like say. just like the family. Like how often is there a load no, it's, of laundry? It's just in? constantly going. It's constantly going. I that's like the white. And, and that's like the white noise the machine. Yeah, it's yeah, just right. like the those white are your noise white noise machines. machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's constant. <laughs> right. I'm telling you. It's right. Constant. Like like Eden sleeps with the that o- the ocean sound and maybe some birds like on a, on an app. Um, yes. But your white noise sounds in your house are just the <laughs> the washing machine and the dishwasher because <laughs> they're going all the time. That's- they're going all the time. All right. And remember, check out the Going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen this Thursday. Rex Walters, some awesome stories about Derek Coleman, Allen Iverson, and others from his time in the league. And go back and listen to some of the others. Adam Morrison, still getting a lot of love. Allah Abdul Nabi, the story about the day that Reggie Lewis died is chilling and you'll want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And now that you're watching even more about Jordan, go back and listen to Peter Vesey's episode. <laughs> on rejecting the screen. I think you'll appreciate it even more. Also, everything else going on on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy Hoops. Josh Lloyd is doing, it's, it's an awesome series, the all-time fantasy team for every single franchise. That is a heavy list. <laughs> and then yes. Hollinger and Duncan every Monday, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan, and your team every day, the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.